but at the end of the day, if you're putting your client first, my God, I believe that it will come back to you in full. We can't win alone. Strong teams and community engagement help firms serve more clients. That's part of being an MVP. It's never about you. It's always about how you can give back and how you can take the gift that was given to you to help others. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. Brett Sachs, founder of MVP Accident Attorneys, has been named a National Trial Lawyer's Top 40 Under 40, has evaluated thousands of personal injury cases and recovered millions for his clients. Through social media and rebranding, Brett has secured ideal positioning for his brand. Today, Brett and I caught up to discuss how a streamlined intake is critical to growth, how to rebrand for the most impact, and how commitment to core values drive business. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Brett Sachs, founder at MVP Accident Attorneys, and what sparked his interest in the legal field. It was my father, to be honest. My, my father owned a business. There was a point in time where his business was struggling very heavily and he quit paying himself for a significant amount of time and to, to keep a roof over our heads. He would go and work for the uh, Indianapolis airport delivering lost luggage in the middle of the night. So he'd work at the office during the day and then in the middle of the night, he'd be returning lost luggage. And so the work ethic that my father instilled into me led me into a profession. And he always says, like, he got super lucky in business going into a general business degree. You know, it's it's 50 50 if I'm going to be successful in that or not. Always go into a recession proof type of profession um, if I want to be uh, successful. And I've always wanted to help people. I always wanted to get into law. I wanted to be an FBI agent growing up. So it just kind of mirrored and matched. And, and this is where it led me because, you know, I, I wanted to make a big difference in the industry uh, and and have a significant impact on people's lives. I love that answer for so many reasons. And, and the work ethic that was passed on from your father clearly is, is showing in how quickly you guys have grown. I got to ask the FBI thing. What was the deal with the FBI? <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's just look cool in movies. Um, <laughs> it was better than a, a police officer, but, you know, uh, still had that type of charisma. And, you know, I got to wear a suit every day. It's funny because I barely wear suits now. I think it was just the control and the power and the safety aspect, always trying to, you know, do better. Our version of superheroes kind of a thing. And so you worked in, in the personal injury space. And then you did the defense space, You're, you did criminal defense, you know, so what made you come back to PI? When you look at these two areas of the law, what's the distinction and the why that you move back over? Yeah, it's probably not even what you think. So I, I never went to law school to be a personal injury lawyer. Uh, and I actually wanted to go into family law because I'm a product of a divorced family. And I love both my mom and my father, but we were put in the middle at times and it was very hard. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I could help other families not have to go through that. I spent probably 
two months in a family law office after law school. And I was like, nope, this isn't for me. It didn't fit my vibe. So I started applying anywhere I could get a job in California and it landed me in a personal injury law firm. And it had that prestige that I always wanted to be in. It was a great firm. So I applied to a law clerk position. They they only had a position in intake. Um, they were like, you're way overqualified for this. And I just said, just get me in the door. I, I like, I'll take any salary. I will do anything you want. I will prove myself. The only thing I ask is that if, if a position opens up for a normal associate, that you give me the shot after I've proven myself wherever you want to put me. And they took a, a risk on me. I think that they made a great decision. I outproved myself quite a bit. So, so much so that they came to me um, and they basically hired around me. The next associate position that opened up, they hired somebody else. Essentially, it's because they couldn't remove me from the intake role. I was killing it. Not only in my opinion, but in my, at the time, direct supervisor's opinion, I had very positive energy. I connect very well with people. I'm able to identify issues and problems right away and address them. So I just did a very good job of retaining more clients than our, my predecessor with the same amount of calls and intakes. I loved it. And it's what I was naturally good at. Um, but I went to law school to be a lawyer. And, you know, after a couple of years of doing that, I wanted to switch into a more, you know, quote unquote, lawyer position. And my wife worked for a defense firm at the time. You know, I saw her doing motions and briefs and going to court all the time. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So that led me into defense. And again, what's nice about me is I realized very quickly when I don't like something. Uh, and I realized very quickly I didn't like litigation. I didn't like defense. I didn't like the, the real lawyer type of position. And so what led me back into PI is that I realized that I love the business of law more than the practice of law. Um, so I, I'm more of an operator than I am a, like an attorney or a lawyer. And being an attorney or a lawyer allows me to operate a law firm. And it was either go back to my previous firm with my tail between my legs, or it was, hey, maybe I can try to do this myself, fix on things that I think can be worked on and, and just do it better. Um, and, and here we are today. So that's kind of how it led me back into PI. That's incredible that you had that introspection, that awareness that you knew what you're great at, what brought you passion, and, and you didn't spend too much time in those other areas. And that's that's really exciting. Before we jump into MVP accident attorneys and, and Saks Law, just briefly, you specialized in intake. You did way better than your predecessors. What are some of the main things that you see that make a successful intake for a personal injury firm? That's a great question. I say this to my intake team all the time. So if they watch this, I hope they believe it. Intake is the most important department of any strong law firm. And some lawyers or some law firms have lawyers do intake. Some law firms have lawyers oversee intake and have you know intake specialists handle most of the calls. Um, as long as you're doing it ethically and you're not having anyone who's not an attorney give legal advice, it's okay to have a strong salesman in that position. Somebody who can understand and identify people and humanize the conversation. There's so many times we call it being, uh, acting like the DMV. Um, no offense to the people that work at the DMV, but we all know it just it's boring there. There's nothing exciting going on. And these people are calling us in times of need. And so showing them compassion and empathy and caring and having designated people to give them the time that they deserve on these intake calls is what I believe sets us apart and sets any good intake team apart. It's 
the ability to connect with individuals and people, and not everyone can do that. We've gotten some of our biggest clients out of referrals of cases we rejected because we just spent the time with these people and explaining them like, don't waste your time anymore. There isn't any liability here. Like, obviously, we're just one law office, but, you know, just giving them the rundown and not and not just hanging the phone up on them and answering the phone. I know that sounds, sounds pretty obvious, but you'd be surprised how many law firms our clients have called in the past. And we asked them, like, what brought you to us? It's like, well, I called two other firms and left messages and no one got back to me, which blows my mind. It, it really does blow my mind. So um, being available, having the time to show these people that we actually care whether it's a case we can take or not, and being able to connect and humanize what they're translating to us is vastly important to getting to the part to where you can qualify a case or not. The EQ side of that, I see that and the emotional intelligence just more and more. It feels like we're, we're just connected to our phones and, and the hard skills and things. And I think that human element has been lost and now it's just so much more valuable uh, than it ever has been. And I, and I think that's incredible. When you look at outsourcing, say, intake, the one thing I've always wondered is how do they handle referral situations for the cases that you that you can't take? They're probably not going to monetize those. And then you're not going to get the reciprocity. Right. hundred like- percent, Chris. Like, it, it's so interesting. Outsourcing intake in general, I just, I just have never been a fan of. I believe that we are a technology-focused firm. We're trying to be a firm of the future. You know, automation is important. Outsourcing is important in some aspects, but not in intake. We actually have full 24-hour intake teams in-house, um, but we do have a calling service that bets our calls initially. So if it's a if it's a call that's not even related to law or it's a sales or it's a solicitor or something like that, it doesn't waste any of our intakes team's time. So we had a case where there was a lawyer that follows me on Instagram up north trying to refer me a case. And the calling service said that we don't we don't do that. And she was like, I'm I'm confused. And so the calling service was confused that it was a referral from an attorney for us. It wasn't even like a case we can't take that we wanted to refer out and capture. Uh, It was a a case for us. And we almost lost it. Like, thank God she reached out on me on Instagram. We we got the case. We actually fired that calling service. This happened last week. We're we're done with that calling service. We hired someone new. Um, We're on board. But uh, it, it makes it very difficult that you outsource intake like our calling services have a list of types of cases that we can push through to other lawyers. Like I'm, I'm part of a, a great network called JHQ, um, Justice HQ. It's, um, you know, it's started and founded by Bob and Brad Simon uh, and Teresa uh, Dip. And we have a great community of lawyers. So I can capture a lot more cases this way because I can trust that we're going to get these clients to good lawyers that I, I know work very well. So our intake has that list. Our calling service has that list of types of cases. And our calling service is, is designed to err on the caution of sending it through to us so that we can make that determination at the end of the day. But it's impossible to capture even cases you want if you're outsourcing your intake, let alone cases you want to at least monetize in a referral or capture in some other aspect. I just, I highly disagree with outsourcing intake. It just doesn't work as efficiently as it should um, or as we would like it to. So we, we have everything in house. Sometimes the best branding ideas come from unlikely sources. Brett shares how he switched from Saks Law to MVP accident attorneys. 
So I've always been a sports fan. I, I connect with sports. I love the team atmosphere. Um, I've learned a lot from playing sports growing up. My favorite sports are baseball and football. So I just always been connected to the sports theme very, very early on. I wanted to be connected with some type of sports team. And I'm originally from Indiana, like I said. And so I wanted to have a connection with a team locally and not just be fair weather. And I'm in Orange County, so the Angels made sense. I contacted the Angels and said, hey, you know, I want to be on the radio. You guys have a radio station. Can we make this work? It was a very small deal. It didn't lead to really anything, but it got me onto their radio station and their main broadcaster is Roger Lodge. And so I had a copy of one of our scripts and it, it, at the end, it said that I'm the Mike Trout of personal injury. And he's like, well, you definitely can't say that. And I was like, why not? Um, just get permission from Mike. He's not going to care. He's a good guy. He's like, that's not how this works. But either way, Roger was the one that said, how about we just say MVP of PI because Mike Trout's an MVP. And I was like, dude, done. Like, love it. But I had no money. I had no idea of how to brand this. It just was an idea that sat in the back of our heads for like a couple of years. And we said it on the radio a couple of times, but it never really led to anything. But I've always loved the idea because, again, MVPs excel at their position under extreme circumstances. They always make it through no matter what. And they're always a team player. So it fit extremely well with what I wanted to do with the firm. And it's funny, you know, Teresa at the time, uh, she's one of the founder of JHQ. She also owns Outlier Creative Agency. Um, so she's she's awesome at marketing and branding and she helps out with the Simon Law Group. So I said, hey, you know, are you available? Like, do you like this brand? Do you like this idea? Can we do something with it? And she immediately was like, I'm dropping everything I'm doing. I love this. Yeah, let's figure out something to do with it. So she came up with the logos. She came up with the positioning, really focused on how we want to present this to the consumers and to the, the profession. And then I also brought in, um, which is important, Brett Bergner, who was actually my old supervisor uh, at my old firm who helped basically build a, another major brand in the industry. And, you know, he came on board and when he looked at it, he freaking loved it as well, but he saw some issues with what was going on. And so between him and Teresa, you know, we brought Brett in, Teresa, you know, phased out a little bit. Um, we're still great friends. She still helps us out on a lot of things. She just did a video for us recently. So I still love her, but Brett being in house really transitioned it and has taken everything from, M from Saks Law to MVP. And that transition has happened over about a year and a half now. We're still obviously working on it. It's still a transition and a long period to go. But what we loved about the MVP brand and, and what it's done to our firm is it solidified something to believe in. We're not just a law firm or a business. We are something bigger than ourselves. And the, one of the other reasons why I like the brand of MVP over Saks Law is that I don't have to be associated with it. The MVP to me is the firm, not me, not, you know, a face on a billboard. You know, God forbid something happens to me. What, what do you do with that? I want this firm. I want our brand. I want our clients to always have something to trust and believe in. 
whether I'm personally here or not, uh, it's super important to me that the, the attorneys, the case managers, the intake specialists, the receptionist, the, our controller, our management team, every person that walks into this office is a direct result on our, on our product. And they all deserve to feel like they are the MVP. Um, so I needed a brand that resonated universally and not just around me or my last name. That also fit. And then that was perfect towards where, where we want to take our firm. One of the things I like about it is, you know, that there's there's restrictions around like superlatives, like best and top and specialized. Yeah. MVP, you say that it, it kind of, it embodies all of these plus the team player, it's three letters. Yep. And immediately when you see, MVP in the search results, we're like, well, who's this firm? Well, that's the MVP. I'm going to go with that firm. So I think that there's some, even some social proof type into the name, like who would call themselves MVP and and just wouldn't be good. Like you, you got to own that. Really good. As I saw every characteristic that you're talking about on your TikTok, I was like, you know, I'm researching you, Brett. (laughs) And I kept seeing the team, the team. Now I, I, you're definitely in a lot of those, but you always incorporated the team. I even saw the one video where they're they're throwing the basketball and then they're introducing like what their role is at the firm. Yep. So it really is the true team mentality. And, you know, on that, and, you know, some of those TikToks, there was one that had 1.2 million views. <laughs> Did you have any issues getting the DBA, going through that process? Was, um, yes. For anyone in California, a law corporation can't actually legally have a DBA. So we didn't know that at the time. Uh, we just... We researched it. I had an opinion on it. Like I have legal counsel um, and I said, hey, how do we update the state bar on this brand that we're building? Because I don't want to confuse any of the consumers. Like I want them to know like, hey, we're the same firm. Um, So we came up with a logo that basically said MVP, accident attorneys, a Sachs law company. And that was in all of our promotional stuff so that it was no confusion. But even doing so, we technically were practicing, you know, a brand that we, we weren't technically allowed to do according to the state bar rules. We fixed that very quickly. Um, and that was one of the other reasons why we got rid of Sachs Law is we had to legally change our name from Sachs Law to MVP Action Attorneys to do it right. But getting back to like the DBA aspect of it and, and why it's so important and how hard it was to get that moving, we had to protect the brand. But I mean, there was major trademark things that we had to go into right away to, to protect the brand. Um, there's a couple of other firms in California that have like the partner's initials end up being MVP. Like there's an MVP law group. They do like elder abuse and family law stuff. There's a, an MVP law firm, I think in LA, they do personal injury, but there's not, a, it's not a big brand. And so we had, you know, we found all this out after trademarking, thank goodness. So if we have any issues with it, we, we have our protection, but URLs, vanity numbers, like you said, you type in MVP, we have to show up. Um, and we have to protect our image uh, and make sure there is no confusion as to who we are when people are looking up that name. So it was super important to make sure that it was done correctly and um, you know have it done in a way that resonates really well. And I just want to make sure everyone in California knows that you can't do a DBA. We had a previous conversation about you know doing DBAs and fictitious names in order to legally incorporate keywords like in your business entity name right. or Google Local because. Despite what many people believe, the vicinity update did not fix that. Keywords no. still work in the name. 
Absolutely. That was, and again, that was one of the reasons and not only MVP, but have accent attorneys in the actual name so that we rank when you type in accent attorney, it doesn't really matter where you're at, that will rank and that will come up. And it was crazy. We, as soon as we made this change, I don't know how the industry just blew up with it because every major firm in California now bids on MVP accent attorneys. So when you type in MVP accent attorneys, all the big names are in the ads. I don't even think we bid on our own name because it's like so expensive now. Um, so it's like a huge compliment to us. But we, you know, in the organic stuff, we have to show up. It's important. So for those listening in the local three pack, it's relevance, distance, and prominence. Yep. Relevance is, is keywords. So keywords in the reviews. So, you know, if you're doing backpack giveaways and things like that, and people are talking about your backpacks and not the law or your city, you know, that doesn't help you as much in terms of local SEO as may, you know, a true review would. The core philosophy at your firm is it's not business, it's personal. And, you know, as you grow your firm and you've, you you guys have grown very quickly, you know, how do you maintain that personal attention? I know you, we talked about intake, but but how does that translate throughout the whole process? It starts from us as a family and, and everyone that touches a file has to truly believe in that, in the fact that this, this is a, a personal service that we are rendering. You know, we have meetings with all of our staff, anywhere from reception all the way up to attorneys. And recently, even we were talking to an assistant and I was explaining to her, like, do, do you understand that the tasks that you're given have direct impacts on people's lives? Like we're not serving burgers and fries here. Like you sending out this letter at this time is vastly important because it can have a direct impact on a case. You know, it can have an impact if you don't send this letter of representation the day that we asked you to send it, the insurance company doesn't know that we're representing the client, could reach out to the client, the client could say something that they're not supposed to say, and it could completely derail a case from the very beginning. Like they, these things matter, everything matters. And so instilling that into the team all the time Letting them remember that they're not just putting pressing you know keys on a keyboard and looking at a screen. These these are human lives that we are actually dealing with, and they're going through some of the toughest times that they'll ever go through. And sometimes they're frustrated. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they're confused. Sometimes they just don't remember what we said. It's it's our job to be that sounding voice for them and to get them back on track and to give them that human component and let them feel like it is, it isn't business. It's personal, um, which is difficult when you're running a business, right? I mean, there is aspects of what we do that has to pay for what we're doing. But at the end of the day, if you're putting your client first, my God, I believe that it will come back to you in full. You know, when I first started this firm, I had a, a handful of cases that, had really great offers on it. And like, I needed the money. I'm like, broke. I have a, like, I'm scared. I can't pay my rent in four months. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not getting continuous intakes. Like, this is scary. I'm having six figure offers on these cases that could yield, you know, more money for me at the time than I had ever. And I had to turn down those offers and do what's right for my clients and get them to a firm that could litigate it at the time. Um, so that my clients didn't suffer. And I didn't see those referral checks for years later. And that was scary. But if you're always doing what's right for your clients, I promise you, the rest will come. It starts from within. The core values at MVP guide every decision from hiring and firing 
the daily choices made by each team member to make sure the client comes first. Brett is a big believer in manifestation and the power of positive thinking, which he and his team carry through every aspect of their cases. If you're not living up to these core values uh, on a continuous basis, you're, you're just not right for us. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad employee or you're bad at your job. It just means that you just don't fit within our culture. And that's super important to us. Um, but alongside of that, how does our clients feel like they're our only client when they're in a, a firm of my size? Uh, it comes down to my policies, my procedures, my systems, and how I've organized it to make them feel that way. You know, every one of our cases has a team of five people working on their case. Uh, it has an attorney. I'm a very big component on attorneys selling cases, even in pre-lit. Um, so an attorney oversees all the cases. The attorney has a case manager. The case manager has an assistant. We have medical records, we have liens, we have a director of uh, uh, case management to oversee stuff, we have an auditor. So there's people that are consistently looking at every case all the time, and each person on that case has a very specific job duty so that they're not being tied down or having to organize their day doing a bunch of other stuff. Like I don't want my case manager to have to worry about sending out letters of representation. I want them worried about talking to our clients. I want constant communication, constant education. I want my client to call to know that someone's going to answer the phone. Or if, if we're just can't, someone's going to get back to them within a very reasonable time. What that time is, it depends on what's going on. But if our clients aren't getting phone calls returned back by the end of the business day, or at worst 24 hours, if it's a weekend, like I, I, we have a problem with that. We track client communication with our firm. Um, so, you know, a lot of our KPIs are directed towards client satisfaction and making that personal touch on every single client's case. So I, I think that the culture from within plus our systems help build that it's not business, it's personal type of mentality. The one thing that you said about values that I really appreciate is, is you own, you judge, you have KPIs, you evaluate these values. So many times individuals, you know, they go through traction or EOS and they'll yeah. say, oh, we're going to pick our values. And they pick these aspirational values. Core values are not aspirational. They, they're no. who you are. And I think that you measuring them. And, and like you said, look, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just don't share the values. We're not rowing in the same direction. Exactly. And it's interesting too. It's funny. You bring up traction. I've obviously read traction. I've read fireproof. You know, I work with Mike Morris a lot. He's a, a huge component in building, you know, our, our core values and, and just the, the, the type of systems that, you know, we, we instill. And it, you know, I met Mike very recently. So like I've had all this in play. I'm a person who loves to mentor people, but I'm the first person to want to be mentored. So I will find anyone who's done this bigger and better than me and achieves what I want to achieve in the way that I want to achieve it. I'm going to run to them and I'm going to say, teach me whatever it takes I'm there for you. So Mike's one of those people, you know, there's a lot of other people um, that I, they, I go to every day for advice, but I love that, you know, EOS type of, of mentality. It's very important, but getting back to that core values. Yeah. It's not, it's not ambition or aspiration. It's who are you true deep down inside you? So like one of our core values is extreme ownership, have extreme ownership off of what you do. 
Don't ever blame somebody else for your mistake, for your issues. Learn from it. Understand it. Take constructive criticism. Understand that we're all in this together. If you can't have extreme ownership off of what you're of what you're doing each and every day, your work product will show and it will just it won't live up to that. It's not business as personal. Collaboration is one of our core values. We have to collaborate. We are a team. We set our, our cases up in teams for a reason. You have to work together. You cannot tax somebody and just and just play off like it's not your job anymore. If, if your assistant's busy, get on the phone and, and get that record to get that demand out. Like do whatever it takes to work as a team and no job is beneath you and no job is above you. Um, so like those are a couple of our, our core values that we feel is true to who we want to be and who we are. And if you're just not that, then you know what? There's a thousand other personal injury firms, probably a five mile radius of me that would love to take you from me. We have so many people poaching our, our employees every single day because of what we instill into them. Um, and you know what? The ones that are still here, they're here for a reason. And I, you know, we have one attorney that's been with us from the very beginning. She's phenomenal. All of our attorneys are phenomenal, but this particular one got multiple LinkedIn offers. Like there was one, I think at the time I was, she was like making like $75,000. It was like when she first started and another firm reached out to her and said, we'll give you a $10,000 signing bonus and $150,000 salary to leave Brett. That's hard to pass up. I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't have blamed you if I, you know, whatever. But she's like, nope, this is what I love to do. You're who I believe in. This is where I believe is the success of what I want to, to become. And I just, it's not worth it. The money's not worth it. Those are the type of people that we need here. And she's making a lot more than $75,000 now, obviously. But that's the type of team member that we have at our office. And we're very family oriented, Chris. And as a business owner, it's very difficult to say that because when people think of family, it's hard to instill a corporate structure sometimes when you have that family style, but it's just understanding the respect of, of what that means. It just means that we care about our team. We're here for our team. If you're here for us, if you're loyal to us, we're loyal to you. And that's just kind of how it goes. Take-home pay is not the only factor when attracting top talent. Cultivating a culture of engagement begins with common goals. One shared goal at MVP is community involvement, which fueled a partnership with the LA Galaxy. Though they are no longer partnered, he had this insight from the experience to share. We did choose the Galaxy for a very particular reason, and that was community involvement. Um, it just so happens that during the time that we partnered with them with COVID, we weren't able to have that true involvement with their foundation, with their youth groups. You know, we wanted to really embody the Galaxy and their community because they have very, very loyal fans. You know, we, we interviewed the Chargers, we interviewed USC, the Galaxy was brought to me by a friend and it worked out. And then they went through a couple of leadership changes. You know, we wanted to do way more with them than we were able to do. And, you know, at the time, it just, it just didn't make any more sense for us um, because it's one thing to put my name up, you know, with a brand, which is phenomenal. That's a great branding strategy. It instantly connects you and it's an, a great ego play. But if it wasn't accomplishing what we truly wanted to embody from the partnership in my heart, as much as it hurts to let them go, I, we had to make that decision. They have major supporter groups that had no idea who we were and they were not in any way helping us bridge that gap. It's just, 
we can accomplish all these things by ourselves. We don't need the Galaxy brand to do that. They had a line of other firms that wanted in, and we just said, since our heart's not in it anymore, why keep those other firms away? Um, we left on wonderful terms, and we have a lot of really big things that we're going to do that we're really excited about this year. And it has a lot to do with that community involvement. We give back. We, you know, we donated you know five thousand backpacks um, last year to the children in need. One of our clients called us. After we settled her case, and you know, a lot of times clients call, they want their money. Once the, once the case settles, you know, okay, they want their money, and I get it, they're in hard times. But this particular client gave me chills when I heard. So I heard the voice because I I'm on everything. I'm kind of OCD about it. This was an after hours call, so I heard the recording, and she was asking for an update on on the status to get her money because she wanted to take the money to build homeless kits for the homeless. And I immediately, like, I'm talking about now, I'm still getting chills. Like, I'm literally, like, about to get emotional about this. I immediately called her myself, and I, and I just said, you will not be taking care of this. You'll be getting your money, and we will pick up this tab. And we will go out to the community of L.A., and we will walk with you. We will donate everything that we want to do on your behalf. This is so more important than you and you deserve, you were the one in the accident. You deserve to take this money for you and your family. She's a mother of two. You know, it's, it's not like she was well off, like my gosh. And so those are the things that, that we like to do. And you know what, Chris, most of the things that we do, you'll never see. We're never going to advertise. We're never going to videotape. You know, we do things all the time to give back to our community and outside our community to do anything that we can. And, you know, one of the things that Chelsea and I did was uh, there's a, an LA uh, trial lawyers charity uh, organization. And, you know, we were a very big part of bringing, helping bring that down to Orange County with a phenomenal lawyer uh, down here named Michelle West. She's just a, a badass trial lawyer. Um, she's the, the president and I'm the vice president and Chelsea's the secretary, but we're on the exec board of the OCTLC. So Orange County trial lawyers charities uh, organization to help the community out even more so. And we're, you know, we raise money every day for local community uh, outreach programs. Chelsea and I still very much value education. And there's so many people that don't have, don't have access to the right education. So we want to start a foundation to give back and give scholarships. And we're just, we're running at a million miles an hour here, Chris. And most of our ideas get pushed back and, you know, what, you know, what's more important at what time, but every MVP in sports you know, they always showcase before the Super Bowl or before, you know, a championship game, uh, the players out in the community, right? That's part of being an MVP. It's never about you. It's always about how you can give back and how you can take the gift that was given to you to help others. And, and that's really what we're here to do. But we're building this to be something way bigger than, than Chelsea or I or, or anyone else here. And if anyone listening needs our help, please feel free to give us a call because, you know, we're, again, we're very blessed. We've worked very hard to be in the position that we're in. We're nowhere near where we want to be, but we do have access to the ability to help people that are in, in need and need it more than we do. I love every bit about that. Thank you for that, Brett. And big picture, you know, what what's next for MVP accident attorneys? <laughs> We want to make historical change to our profession, and we, we want people to look at personal injury as not a bottom theater type of law profession, but a, a rock star, human changing industry. And 
part of my goal is to change everyone's perception of what a major advertiser or billboard attorney can do. We are not going to diminish our product for our clients and and hurt our clients' value of cases because we want more cases. It's all about the quality of our work product. And we will change this industry's perception of what a large volume personal injury firm can do. We are creating systematic value in cases. And based on our research, we're already doing 35% more of our better than our competitors in similar case uh, studies. And we're going to achieve much better results in the future. But I, I can't even see the end because I think that if you could, I've already limited our ability to get there. Sky's the limit with people who truly care. And that's what we have here. A firm with a strong brand solidifies something to believe in something that is bigger than the founders and the partners. Brett and his team at MVP put community first at every turn and is paying off in dividends. Remain connected to your core values and draw from your interests when considering a rebrand. Once your firm begins to grow, maintain personal connection and put the client first. Outsource and systematize where you can, saving talent and resources for client engagement and casework. I'd like to thank Brett Sachs from MVP Accent Attorneys for sharing his story with us. And I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.